0: Previously on Modular,
1: Bradley and Quinn faced down a terrifying mimic and defeated it with the help of a few gnomish guards. They were rewarded some magical items, and they had a bit of a feast in Nomengard. Well, Bradley feasted, Quinn did other things. Back in town, the two of them spoke with Elsa, who told them tales of sea-sunken treasure And in the morning, Toblin passed Bradley a letter which told him lots about his dear friends Braff and Atribius. Bradley leveled up, and the two of them set off on their next adventure where they saw the hungry, drooling jowls of a manticore.
0: Welcome. My name is Thorne George. My name is Luke Job. And this is Modular, the podcast where we take you
1: through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons.
0: That's right. These are the pre-written stories made up by the guys who made up D and D. We didn't write them. We're here to run them for you.
1: And why would we do that, Thorne?
0: Well, Luke, maybe you're a DM who's thinking about running a particular campaign, and you want to get a feel for how it plays. Maybe you're a player who's already been in this particular campaign and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you're trying to move out of the house that you live in and you really need something to cheer you up while you're struggling with that.
1: Oof. Yeah. But y'all should be warned. Each of your episodes will take on a part of these pre-written adventures. That means there are major spoilers for the key plot points of each adventure we're running.
0: Oh, hey, Luke. There is another warning we should offer them.
1: That's right, Thorn. Modular is not a podcast for children. It contains explicit language, like fuck, as well as adult themes, like sex, alcohol, drug use, littering, graffiti, violence, so please be aware of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. So without further ado, welcome to Modular. And our Session 3 of Dragon of Icepire Peak. Sadly, you are now staring at this hideous creature with the body of a lion, the fucked up weird face of a human man, and a large scorpion tail with all of these barbs kind of sticking out. When you fought the mimic in Nomengard, tell me honestly,
0: were you scared? Facing the mimic, I was I was quite fine. I definitely believed that I could get it done. It's a it's a mimic, you know. <laughs> They're nothing. But this manticore I might just shit myself.
1: Well, you look down to your left at your little three foot four companion. Quinn looks up at you and says Mr. Copper, that thing is the most terrifying fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Let's kill it! Quinn oh, went yes, first in initiative, he yanks out uh, a hand crossbow, and he fires it towards the Mimic? Not the Mimic, the Manticore? <laughs>
0: Whoa, the Mimic, that's like several miles away, <laughs> holy shit!
1: Quinn now has an, the attacker feature, so he gets plus two to, a plus two bonus to his attack rolls, so he's got plus six to hit. Oh, nice. He rolled a natural four, makes it ten. The crossbow bolt goes whizzing um, past this manticore. It kind of lets out uh, a blood-curdling scream that I'll spare you. Its barbed tail kind of peeks over its head, and some barbs start shooting out at you and Quinn. Uh, Does a 13 hit you? It does. Quinn jumps to the left, and the barb aimed at him sticks into the ground, just barely missing him. The one targeted at you deals you 8 points of damage as you just... Right into a shoulder. Uh, you feel that shit. Ouch. And that's half your HP right there. Yes, Your turn.
0: Um, Quinn, I'm half dead. Or I guess if you're an optimist, half alive. I am going to cast... Uh, I'm going to stick my hand in the air. And I'm going to trace... Um, like a little sword with a circle around it um and that is me casting blade ward on yourself on myself well it's I, i can only cast it on myself
1: okay so blade ward makes you resistant to
0: what to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage dealt by weapon attacks until the end of my next turn
1: okay this manticores attacks will uh will count as weapon attacks.
0: Um, and then I'm going to cast as a bonus action. I'm going to cast a healing word on myself.
1: Okay, can you cast two spells in one turn? Oh, fuck.
0: Well, this is a bonus action, so I don't know. Uh, for
1: the true D and D nerds out there, if we're doing this wrong, I'm I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, go for it.
0: Cast it. Okay. So that's a one d four plus four. Please give me a good roll. I gained seven health. Nice, almost back to full.
1: Okay, you sing a little ditty to yourself, and Quinn watches as the barb kind of smushes out of your shoulder, and your wound heals. Cool. So, he says,
0: so you can't use you can't use a cantrip and a spell in the same turn.
1: Is blade ward a cantrip? Yeah. Oh, then I think you can do that, actually. Okay, cool. Quinn says, uh, Mr. Copper, I won't let you take another hit like that. He tosses. I don't think it's
0: up to you, Quinn.
1: He tosses you his hand crossbow and he sprints towards the manticore. Oh, God. He gets up in its face, hits it, and deals deals six points of damage to this thing as he punches it right in the nose. The woman, uh, a Dabber Gwen, who you've come to meet, uh, is is looking out the window and she says, Yeah, you get that thing! It kind of snarls back up towards her. And the manticore unleashes its claws towards Quinn. That's a hit. Quinn takes 6 damage, and then he's attacked again with a bite attack, and he's missed. Claws rip across his chest, uh, but ever so slightly, he's nimble. He kind of pushes back away from this thing, and it barely slices him. It then comes down for a bite, and it meets his gauntlet and just bites down onto metal. It is your turn again, Bradley. Quinn is in the thralls of combat.
0: I am going to start. I'm going to uh, use vicious mockery. And I'm going to turn towards this. I'm going to stare deep into this core's eyes and I say, You ri- ridiculous, rambunctious rapscallion! Fuck you!
1: <laughs> and it <laughs> and needs that to make. Does
0: four points of damage.
1: Well, he needs to make a save before oh, it does yeah, any he damage. Oh, he needs to make a save. That's right. Wisdom save?
0: It's a wisdom save.
1: That is a eight total. Okay, so he fails he misses,
0: or he gets hit, and he will now have disadvantage on the next attack roll.
1: Okay, and he takes four damage. Yes,
0: and he takes four damage. Four. He kind of
1: shiv- He kind of shivers as uh, as you say this, and ah! goes right back. Actually, sorry, he does not go right back for anything. Quinn.
0: I. I also him. think I'm going to. Move? Give Quinn Bardic inspiration. Okay. Cool. What do you say to him? I say, Quinn, give him the old cock crusher.
1: Quinn nods, and rushes underneath this giant lion body and proceeds to try and punch this manticore in its cock. That is a natural 20. (laughs) So, He does 13 points of damage to this thing. Uh, The manticore kind of bucks like a horse as its cock is crushed. Uh, uh, Jumps away from him and with disadvantage tries to bite down onto Quinn's cute little head. Uh, With a a 14 and a 3, the 3 is going to be used and he misses... He then tries to claw Quinn without disadvantage. And he misses. He uh maybe it's your words. Maybe it's the the crunched cock. You can't really tell. But this Manticore is is kind of moving erratically, not not landing his hits, and it is your turn once again.
0: So you said Quinn threw his crossbow at me, right? Yeah, you have a you have a hand crossbow right now. Okay, cool. I'm going to use that. Um, wait, is a hand crossbow the same thing as a light crossbow?
1: No, hand crossbow is one d six.
0: Okay, that's fine. So I'm going to aim at the manacore's head, and it's a sixteen to hit.
1: Sixteen's a hit,
0: and it will take five damage.
1: Nice. You uh, you shoot it. I'm gonna say you pierce its ear. It's a little weird human lion ear. That damage connects, but you also, Bradley, looking at this thing, you know it's not even halfway dead. Damn. Quinn turns, and he's going to swing with an uppercut right at the manticore's face. Ooh, big miss. He uh, swings, the manticore kind of rocks its chin backwards, and then immediately his head shoots back down. For another bite attack, dirty twenty on the bite. Mm. Quinn takes ten points of damage, and he is down to three HP. The manticore I he was then down for good. No, 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 down to three. The manticore then swings with its claws, and natural two misses. Uh, Quinn kind of stumbles backwards and says, "Okay, wait, maybe." Uh, He looks at you, Bradley, and says, I don't know if I signed up for all this. What do you do?
0: I say, Quinn, your life is in my hands. You did the right thing joining me, and I will make sure that you are safe. And with those words, I'm casting healing word on him. Okay. So that will be 5 HP. Okay.
1: I mean, that puts him back up to 8. 8
0: is better than 3. And That's as a my bonus, bonus action. action. So as my action, I'm going to try and shoot this manticore again. Okay. Does it does it have any weak points on it, by chance?
1: Uh, weak points, like a glowing red dot on its yeah, shoulder. Yeah, like,
0: like you know how in Zelda they all have this giant eye like in the middle of their forehead or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, and Resident Evil the monster, like you can see it's like weird weak spots kind of yeah. form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, unfortunately for you, this is D and D. Good Damn. luck.
0: Not a video game, of course. So I'm gonna—I'm just gonna shoot the crossbow once more. Okay. Does a twelve hit?
1: Twelve is a miss. Fuck. It whizzes over this manticores head. Quinn kind of looks back at you and says, <clears throat> "Right, Mister Cropper," and he's gonna try and punch this thing right in the nose. That's gonna hit and he deals 8 points of damage to this guy. It kind of reels back uh, from that nose punch and swings at Quinn with its claws. Nat 1! Some D&D players do not treat a Nat 1 and a Nat 20 as anything super crazy, um, or Nat 1 specifically, I mean. But in my combat, I I like to think a Nat 1 gives an opportunity for something bad to happen. There's a wrought iron fence kind of surrounding this windmill. And Quinn and and the manticore are both inside the fence. You have no problem shooting through it because there are nice big gaps. But I'm going to say Quinn's back is to this fence. The manticore raises up its claw, swings down. Quinn does a nice little roll. The manticore impales its hand on this fence. And takes six points of damage.
0: That manticore is going to get some lockjaw real soon.
1: It screams out in pain, kind of thrashes, and uses the momentum to actually clear the fence, and now it's coming for you. It's got enough movement to get to you. Of course it It does. It charges you. Its huge jaws open up wide. And it's going to try and bite you. Does, d- does it, does a 12 hit you?
0: A 12? No. 12. Thank fucking God it does
1: not. You leap backwards. What do you do? What do I do?
0: Yes. Yeah, I guess it's my turn, huh? I am going to, you said it's right up at me now? Oh yeah. So then I'm, I'm just going to use my mace then. Okay. Does a, f- a 14 hit? 14 hits. 14 hits. 2 damage. Whoa. (laughs) I know, my most powerful attack yet.
1: You massage this thing's lower back. He's got some tension, and you kind of get that tension out with the mace.
0: Lovely. Absolutely lovely.
1: You hear uh, Quinn scream, It's my job to keep that man alive, you know! And Quinn runs up to this thing's ass, and punches it right in its fucking ass cheek. Oh, I thought
0: you were gonna say right in its asshole, and I was gonna be like, "That's <laughs> crazy."
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Quinn does ten damage. She does max damage. Ten
0: damage, damage? This, to nice. this thing. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's instant. Fuck Charlie that horse. Manticore.
1: Uh, Manticore is looking rougher. He still has uh, more HP than Quinn, so if that tells you anything. The Manticore kind of cries out in pain and swipes at you with his claws. Does a 16 hit you? Yes, it does. A
0: 16, yeah, a 16 definitely hits me, for sure.
1: You only take 3 points of damage. Okay. And then it tries to bite you as well. Uh, Natural 19. And you get another 8 points of damage Mm -hmm. taken out of you. You You're at 4 HP, Quinn is at 8, and it is your turn.
0: Bonus action going to, once again, healing word myself. Uh, this is okay. my last spell slot. Alright, make it count. I'm going to say, alright, Bradley, you've gotten in worse scraps than this before. Well, you really haven't.
1: But that doesn't matter. To say.
0: You can do this. And I give myself seven hit points. Nice. Back. Back up to eleven. Back up to eleven. And then I'm gonna... I'm getting real sick of this manticore, so I'm gonna take my mace, and I'm just gonna swing upward, try to hit it, like, under its jaw. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a natural 17, a dirty 20.
1: Hell yeah, that hits.
0: Doki, that's gonna be three damage.
1: Three damage. Once again, the manticore looks like he's strained his neck from biting you, so you decide to just gingerly Rub your mace up his neck and massage the tender muscles for him.
0: Lovely. I could be a masseuse Qu- if I went to bod.
1: Quinn grabs his barbed tail under his arm and just punches at the base of this tail, like right like right where the base of this thing's spine is. Ooh. And I think he's gonna use his Bardic inspiration on that. That does it, and Quinn deals another 7 damage to this thing. The manticore looks right fucked up. It is on death's door.
0: Right fucked up.
1: But it's not going down without a fight. It, in an instant, swings its claws at you. Natural 19. You take 4 points of damage.
0: Okay, that's not so bad.
1: And then... It moves to bite into you. Seventeen. You take this may be a killing blow. Six points of damage.
0: Oh my god!
1: Knocking you down to one HP. And Bradley, as you are clawed across your face, and these I'm going to teeth- say
0: I st- after these attacks, I stagger down onto one knee. And I'm kind of using my mace to prop me up right now.
1: Okay. Do you wipe the blood off your chin anime style?
0: I'm going to... So first I think about, you know, my, my family. I think about my brother, who I haven't heard from in a while. I think about my father, who, despite not wanting to live in his shadow, I do admire him and I respect him. I'm going to think about my mother, who hasn't really had too much of an impact on my life. She's always been there, but, you know, kind of in the background. I'm gonna think about my friends and Braff and Artribius, and I I'm not giving up yet. So I am gonna wipe it off my chin anime style. And I'm gonna look up at the managorn manicore and I'm gonna go, heh, nothing personnel. And I'm going to <laughs> strike it once more with my mace. Hopefully. Hell yeah. Uh, That's a natural one, though, so I'm not going to strike it once more with my (laughs) natural
1: one. You think about your loved ones and the strength they give you. You push off the ground with your mace. The mace is facing downwards. You do a six spin of your mace. Now it's upwards. You rear back and swing, and you throw your mace like 40 feet off. It just goes (laughs) flying. The manticore. Manticore laughs. Fool.
0: And then, do I have any bonus actions? I'm going to, as a bonus action, I'm going to say, I tried, Quinn. It's all up to you now. And I'm going to give him bardic inspiration from that.
1: Hell yeah. The manticore is smiling at you. It licks its lips. Because even though it knows it's about to die... It thinks it's looking at its final meal. In the, in the light of the sun, beating down on your face, a shadow briefly appears, just once over. It's almost instant. Quinn has launched himself into the air off of the barbed tail of this manticore. He's essentially doing a cannonball. Down onto this manticore's head, and as he falls, he reaches terminal velocity. This Jesus, manticore's how
0: fucking high did he go?
1: This manticore's skull explodes. Your face is covered in blood and brain matter in an instant. Some manticore teeth kind of scatter across your uh, your armor. And Quinn kind of sits there in the bloody goop of what was once this manticore's head. He looks up at you and says, I got you covered, Mr. Copper. And you have defeated, defeated, you have defeated the manticore.
0: We have defeated, as in cut it off its feet.
1: (laughs) Its feet go flying. They're fucking gone. You did it. From the window, you hear a Dabber Quinn yell, Y'all did great! Come on over! Quinn, I uh. I look at
0: Quinn and I say, Should we. She didn't really do anything. Should we even rescue her?
1: Well, Mr. Copper, she might have a nice reward for us, so. Oh, I don't know why he just became yeah. Southern. <laughs> <laughs> she Southern might have Texas a nice reward for us.
0: We're all from Texas down here in Fandolin. Yeah. Uh. Qu- Quinn
1: says, She might have a nice reward for us. Let's go over there and. Check it out. He also yeah, helps you spend up stand. Let's head up that
0: fucking tower. This better be good.
1: <laughs> as you walk by, Quinn spits on the, the corpse of the Manticore.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I wanna desecrate that so bad, but I'm going to pretend to be a gentleman in front of this lady. But as soon as she turns her back, you better fucking wait, Manticore.
1: You uh you walk up to this stone windmill. She opens the door and says, Well howdy y'all I tell you, that was a mighty good fight. I mean, you should have seen yourselves down there. You were like action heroes. Well,
0: we are action heroes.
1: So thank oh, you. my, my. This woman looks to be late 40s. She's a human. She looks, and I'm blanking on the name, Red Dead Redemption 1. She looks like the cattle rancher who John Marston... Uh,
0: McFarlane.
1: Yes, Bonnie McFarlane. Bonnie she looks McFarlane. like Bonnie McFarlane. Okay. Uh, she smiles at the two of you and she says, Well, y'all come on in now. All right, let's go for it. The two of you walk in. It's a quaint little place. You see lots of alchemical supplies. You see some tomes and scrolls. And she says, The two of you look, uh, well, you look worse for wear.
0: Uh, she says, Yeah, uh, I did just have the shit kicked out of me. She... She pardoned my... Vulgar language.
1: She nods and she says, well, why don't y'all take a, a quick rest and uh maybe maybe we'll talk once you're once you're back up and at them. Yes, and please. Do
0: you happen to have any tea or, or biscuits of any kind? She she says, I, I can make you tea and biscuits. She
1: kinda elbows a wall and uh one of those in the wall like stored pull out couches or not pull out couch, the bed. Falls out, uh, and she says, "You two just take yourselves a little nappy, and uh, when you wake, I'll have your, I'll have your tea and biscuits ready for you."
0: I, with my hit dice, I've regained thirteen HP.
1: All right, and Quinn, while you take a
0: short rest, Quinn's back up to full. That's awesome! Hell yeah, Quinn. Quinn Quinn did a good job. Uh, I yeah. I look at Quinn, um, when I wake up and I say. You really saved my ass out there, and I I'm so appreciative.
1: Well, Mr. Copper. Uh, that's my job. And he, he kinda nods at you. You wake to the smell of some nice Earl Grey tea, uh some nice. some biscuits. Not not British biscuits, mind you, southern biscuits. Um Okay. Yeah, Popeye's biscuits. When you Popeyes said biscuits. Popeye's style? Pop, no, they're from Popeye's. There's a Popeye's right down oh, the road. She she okay. went and got them for you. So they're going to be uh,
0: dry as fuck is what you're telling me? And, and actually, it's not Earl Grey
1: tea. It, it's sweet tea. Okay. Uh, so she says, here's your tea and
0: biscuits, sweetie. And there's some English person listening to this. It's, oh, bloody hell, I can't believe they've done this. Uh, I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure any British person who was listening kind of stopped as soon as they heard our... Accents? Uh, butcher of their accents.
1: <laughs> Sorry it's a disrespect to disrespect your culture of imperialism. Okay, the, you, she passes you the sweet tea and the biscuits. The two of you chug down, eat away, and she says, Well, now, most most people only come out here for one thing, and uh, I think it's fitting that I give it to you as a reward. She pulls out two glowing bottles of red liquid. And says, most people come out here for healing potions, and uh, since you saved me from that mana core, I-, I figured I- I'd just give you two. So she gives oh, thank each you. of you and Quinn, each get a-, a potion of healing.
0: Standard potion of healing, I think it's 2d4 plus 4 HP. I do appreciate it, but I we also came out here to tell you, there's a dragon in the area, and the townmaster of Vandalin wishes you to come into the town (laughs) well
1: shoot i mean you didn't need to tell me there's a dragon why'd you think a manacore was knocking on my door you know this dragon's messing up everything uh wherever that manacore was living surely the dragon must have kicked it out of its spot because i mean i've I've never had no monsters like that run up on me so uh yeah of course there's a dragon i've seen him flying and you know I, i know about him and there ain't you know there ain't a way in hell I'm heading back to Fandalin. I-, I hate that place. Why is that? Well, uh, I generally don't like people. Why is that? Well, people are fucking obnoxious, and they ask too many goddamn questions, like what you're doing right now. Sorry, you saved my life. Sort of. I, I probably could have handled it, but, you know. Well,
0: I then could... why did you ask us for help?
1: Well, I mean, it was just kind of fun to see you squirm. Okay, well, um... <laughs> Quinn Quinn whispers to you, fucking sociopath.
0: I think it's about time to hit the old dusty trail. I say as I stand up. Uh, she says, well, "Of course, yeah. You need to make like
1: horse shit and hit the trail. I, I, I get that. Listen, uh, you two come back anytime if you want to buy more healing potions. They cost fifty gold a piece. Uh, I also do some magical tattoo work if that has any interest to you. Um, and just generally, I, you know, I, I'd love to get your business whenever. Oh, absolutely." And she says, uh, uh, if, if thank the, you for
0: your hospitality. We surely if that, are very appreciative.
1: Well, well, yes, of course, no problem. Uh, I tell you what, I mean, it's the least I could do for somebody saving my life. She says, if that white dragon shows up again, though, I, I tell you what, um, I'd holler for you, but he'd probably eat me
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, of course he would. Of course. Quinn, well, you're looking if at you Quinn, got help, uh, We will be staying in Phandalin for quite some time. Don't, feel, don't be afraid to... to. Well, uh, can you do me a favor? I know you've already given me a potion and and some rest. Can you give us uh, perhaps a writ or, or a note or something uh, saying that you're not coming to Phandalin so we can uh, give it back to Townmaster Harbin and get the reward anyway?
1: Oh, yes, sure thing. That's not a problem. She pulls out an ink pen and, and writes you out a, a quick little note and she says... Now, you tell that Harvin Wester, uh, mind his own fucking business, thanks.
0: I definitely will. Don't worry.
1: All right. Well, then I'll, I'll see you two little peaches as soon as can be, all right? All
0: right. Thank you. Have a, have a wonderful day, madam.
1: Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, the two of you walk out of the stone windmill. Um, it's about 3 p.m. It's a quick hike back to Fandolin. Uh While we're arrive. walking to
0: Fandolin, I I want to talk to Quinn and I say, do you think it's too late for me to become an alchemist, and start brewing my own potions, because I don't necessarily want to go back to that woman.
1: Um, Mr. Copper, I, I like to think that, you know, a- anything's possible, with a little bit of hope. Just kidding, no, it's probably fucking too late, sorry, but <laughs> you're very you're 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 a classically trained bard, I mean, why are you gonna change you know, professions now? That makes sense.
0: Perhaps maybe I'll make it a hobby.
1: Mm. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> he uh he walks alongside you. You get uh back to Fandalin right as the sun is starting to set, and a woman who you you may have seen briefly before, uh approaches you. She is you you know without kinda having a role for it, that she's dressed in religious
0: robes. She was the one playing at the altar at the, when I strode into town.
1: Yeah. Uh, this this woman approaches you and she says, "Hello, uh, Mister Copper. My name is Sister Gorele. I've I've heard of you, and uh, I would I would love to just make a, a quick offering uh, with you, if you don't what, mind." What um,
0: uh, What sort of offering are you hoping to make with me?
1: An offering of prayer, good sir. Um, I know that you've come to our town in search of perhaps just gold or perhaps you really are here to, to help people and either way I, I would love to pray I to mean, my... What's the difference? <laughs> Quinn kind of side-eyes you and just walks away uh, <laughs> and she does not laugh an ounce. She says anyway, my, my goddess, uh, Taimura, She's the goddess of, of luck and good fortune, and I thought perhaps if you were to pray with me, she may offer you some sort of blessing to to keep you well on your travels.
0: I don't see any harm in that. I don't believe my gods are jealous ones.
1: She says, well, what gods do you worship, Master Kappa?
0: I worship the gods of the D. The Rage Cage... And Jables.
1: Ah, yes, the gods of
0: rock and roll. Something like that.
1: She she nods, and the two of you walk to this shrine together. She bows her head and offers some silent prayers. What what do you
0: what does your prayer sound like? What do you pray? I don't really want to offend her. Um is she cute?
1: She's kinda cute. Kind she looks like yeah. she looks like a young Jennifer Connelly.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't want to uh, offend her uh being the piece of shit that I am. And and I want to just pray in my head. And I say in my head I say um, dear, what was the goddess's name? Timora. Timora. And I say dear Timora, I don't necessarily know if you actually exist. But if you do, please grant me luck. After that last fight, I I need it. Certainly need it. I'm not certain what kind of offerings you accept, but I will gladly give you one. As long as it's not too pricey, of course. I'm not going to pledge my soul to you or anything. Um. Please, write back soon. Love, Bradley Coppa. <laughs>
1: um... Go ahead and go to your character sheet. Okay. You have gained a point of inspiration. Nice. Uh, when you finish, Sister is just kind of sitting there, waiting.
0: Uh, and she says, how was, your, how was your time at the altar? It was good. I feel very enlightened. Well, not enlightened. I feel very lucky, I should say. I believe is already affecting me.
1: She kind of smiles at that and says, um... Master Copper, if you don't mind, can I just ask you one quick question? Of course. So, what, what brought you to our, our quaint little hamlet of Phandalin? I mean, truth be told,
0: money, gold, riches, fame.
1: Up in the top left-hand corner of your screen, it says Sister Gureli will remember that. And I uh...
0: had no idea Phandalin was in need of help, but now that I'm here, I may as well.
1: Well, a- anyone's help is, is much appreciated. Anyway, Master Copper, you, you enjoy the evening, and perhaps I shall see you around.
0: Oh, I'm certain you will.
1: Do you accept donations? She says, uh, I, I really don't run any sort of church, so... Uh, uh,
0: well, I mean, who... Do you, so you just upkeep the altar for free?
1: Yes, yes, of course. Okay. Um make me make make me a raw intelligence check. A
0: raw intelligence check. Okay, I've got a plus 1. Let's roll high, buddy. 15.
1: Yeah, how how would this woman run this shrine for free and like live? It it doesn't make sense. You kind of feel like she's there's more to her story than meets the eye.
0: Well, I'm going to donate to, not necessarily the church, but to Taimura. I'm going to donate to her ten gold. Okay. And Um, you do with this, uh, you you give it to her, you offer it to her, you see whatever you need to do, you see fit. Um, And I I hand it to her, I make sure I, I, I touch her hand as she takes the gold coins and I give her a little wink.
1: Make me an insight
0: check. An insight check. I feel so sleazy. Um, Insight, I get a plus three. Twelve.
1: She seems pleasantly surprised. And you definitely realize that she's into you. With a twelve insight. You make your way towards uh, the Stonehill Inn. She wishes you well. When you walk into the inn, Quinn is sitting uh, at the bar, and he's telling Toblin, Listen, I mean, just, just ask him, you know? Uh, it's not a big deal. Toblin looks up at you and says, Ah, Master Copper, there you are. Listen, um, one thing you we talked about, but you haven't done yet, is you haven't put on a show the inn yet and you've oh, stayed I a few nights for free and...
0: put on a show for the inn i just haven't i haven't really been here
1: you know no. that that is that is very true master copper um perhaps tonight's the night
0: perhaps tonight is the night i do need a good night's rest um hopefully for a less than an average cost so <laughs> i will very gladly uh perform for you tonight
1: he says, "That yes, that's perfect. Um, and of course, if you perform, you, you stay for free. So, um, why don't Even uh, I, I I'll get uh, I, I'll get uh, Elsa to run around town and and let everyone know that the Brad the Copper is putting on a show tonight. Why don't you go ahead and and make yourself ready?" He kind of points to this ramshackle stage. It's like it's like a foot off the ground. It's it's hardly a stage, but he sets you up. You eat a quick dinner, Quinn, uh, and you talk a little bit. Elsa comes back, and about twenty people have come into the to the Stonehill Inn, and are all waiting for you to perform.
0: I get up on the stage, and I I I say to the crowd, "What's up? I'm Bradley Copper, and I wrote this about five minutes ago."
1: Your set the crowd goes wild for you, Bradley. It's it's the highest high you've ever known, and every time you've performed, it is better than drink. It is better than drug. It is better than sex. It is better than fighting a good fight. Performing for people is what you love, and and maybe that's rooted in the fact that what you've really always wanted is to make people happy, or maybe it's the fact that you really do want to be a hero, and musicians often are people's heroes when they perform. Whatever it is, uh, as you bow to the crowd, two men sitting at a table, both human men uh, dressed in fine silken robes, wave you over to their t- to their table. Uh,
0: out of character, can I, can I reveal a secret about Bradley Copper that I've been keeping this whole time, but it hasn't really come up yet? But I just want to get it out yeah, there.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would love that. He's a virgin. <gasps> Whoa! Right. Oh my God! How old is Bradley? He is
0: oh God, what did I write down? I think he's like twenty he's something, like, right? Twenty six or something. Okay.
1: I mean, that's not as bad as Steve Carell. Yeah. True. He, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's exactly okay. twenty six. Yeah, that's what I read. Sweet. Down. Wow. Well, he's he's just uh he's a sweet little. I mean, he hasn't had pure luck. Boy he has never so had far. luck with
0: the ladies. He's honestly so shocked. That what he was saying worked with the, what's her name, whose name I've already forgotten.
1: Well, you also know, Thorin, you should know that did not oh, it work didn't. with your 12 insight. <laughs> Bradley
0: thought of course. it worked. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. He, I mean, that's why he was, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He thinks, he thinks it works, but it doesn't really work. And that's why he's never, you know, been able to achieve his goal.
1: Hmm. Of course, he's just nervous. He's just nerv- he's just, poor, he's just poor, poor, not sweet, nervous he's boy. He's putting
0: on this 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 what's the word? He's putting on this character Passade? that he isn't really because he re- he really is. Yeah. He he's a kind, gentle person, but he doesn't make it appear that way. You get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Anyway, back to the story. Yeah. Um, he's going to walk over to those two finely robed gentlemen.
1: Ah. Look, it's the it's the singing man that was just singing. Look at Rabaya. Uh these two men, Rabaya and Wilhelm, uh they kind of usher you to sit down and uh, Rabaya says, "Um Oh yeah, that was very good music. Listen, uh Master Copper, you seem like a man of exquisite taste." No.
0: Oh, 100% I am.
1: Uh Wilhelm looks looks up at you and he, he kinda pats you gently on your hand and says, Oh, we just knew it. We just knew that you were you was the kind of person that knows that you know, when when they see poor people, they don't have to do anything for poor people. Poor people don't need uh, anything, you know. We could tell you are you are rich, you have rich. He bras. kinda gives
0: them a little uh, a, a slight squint, but uh goes Yes, I am my family is particularly wealthy.
1: Oh, we we could just tell that. Well, you should know, uh, we just got back from a fabulous hunting trip under Falcon's protection. You know Falcon? And Rabiah kind of speaks up and says, Oh yeah, Falcon's hunting lodge is the only safe haven in Neverwinter Wood. And Wilhelm nods, It lies deep in the forest, along the river's edge. Rabiah kind of nods and says, Falcon, uh, if you don't know, he is a retired veteran of the war against the dragon cult. I mean... This man literally helped stop Tiamat. He might not have been there, I don't know. Either way, he'll offer anyone who brings him a bottle of wine free room and board. So you should know that, because we just got back from a fabulous hunting trip, and I tell you, it was was so fun. I mean, no poor people in sight, and we got to shoot these animals, these poor little squirrels. I ripped one's head off just
0: for funsies. Oh-ho! That does sound like... You know, I haven't quite had... The real outdoorsy experience. I've been camping under the stars. Who does that? Poor people, that's who. Y- yes, no, that, that is something for the vagabonds. You don't want to do that. No, if I'm going to, if I'm going on a hunting trip, I want to be able to sleep in a comfortable bed, uh, drooped, uh, draped with the finest silks.
1: Uh, we like to say droped, too. Don't worry, it's not that awkward. Uh, I love to be droped. Uh, I also love to be groped. And Wilhelm says, Oh, you naughty boy! Uh... The two of them kind of shoot the shit with you for a bit. These are the worst kind of people, but they have they have told you about Falcons Hunting Lodge, um, and now you know that in the heart of Neverwinter Wood, along the river's edge, there's this this dude that'll that'll escort rich people okay. to, to go on Falcons fabulous hunting trips. Hunting Lodge. Well, let,
0: me write, let me write this down. So I've got Falcons Hunting and the lighthouse I don't know I didn't write that down I I should be better at keeping notes I'm so poor at keeping notes and that's probably why I dropped out of college
1: well there you go and I'm in law school so when you DM I will have too many notes I'll be taking notes about things that I probably shouldn't just the color of people's hair for no reason (laughs) Bradley, you also noticed when you were performing, for for the the crowd, Quinn was not there. He was nowhere in sight. Um, and you, maybe you feel a little bit shocked. Maybe you feel a little bit hurt because Quinn is certainly your your closest ally, confidant, friend in Fandolin, and he wasn't at your show.
0: Yes, I am hurt, but I'm also confused. Maybe worried. Where else would he be?
1: I mean, you can go look for him. You could ask around.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go to Toblin. I'm gonna say, "Excuse me, Toblin, where has Quinn gone? Have you seen him?"
1: Ah, uh, yes, Master Copper. Um, he seemed a bit down right before your show started. Um, he he bought an entire jug of wine from me, and he said he was uh going to go off and piss in the breeze, uh, as as he worded it.
0: Do you have any idea in which direction he went? Should I look about town? I
1: I just saw him, I just saw him leave the inn. I mean, he could be anywhere.
0: All right, I I'm going to go find him.
1: Okay. You you head out the door. Go ahead and make me an investigation, investigation.
0: check. Investigation. 7.
1: It takes you a while. You do not find any footprints, you do not find any evidence. Um, you look all over Phandalin, uh far north, far south, you go almost along the trails, but you're thinking, no way he left town. And surely enough, uh, he was just right behind the inn <laughs> the entire time. You eventually find him, um, he is pretty much passed out. Uh, the jug of wine is completely empty, and he's like falling asleep, kind of chicken-pecking, fall his head kind of falling into his shoulder over and over again.
0: I'm gonna I don't really want to wake him up, so I'm gonna pick him up and carry him inside the inn and put him down on a bed.
1: Okay. You lift him up. Because he's like uh, he's like the size and... of a child,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean he's three foot four. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like a little kid. Um you pick him up and you carry him back in. Uh as you walk in into the end, uh, everyone's pretty much left. Elsa's cleaning up, and she sees the two of you, and she says, "Oh my lucky
0: stars! That's the sweetest shot I've ever seen in my fucking life." Mr. Copper, is that your is that your child? No, this is Quinn. I found him passed out behind the inn, and I'm going to put him in bed. She says, "Oh,
1: I don't know if I remember who Quinn is, he's but my all right, little...
0: thanks, love." He's my halfling friend. Who's you've seen me every time you've seen me, he's been. Oh.
1: Yeah, 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 no, no, I still don't remember. Uh, she, she kind of nods and keeps cleaning tables. Oh. You carry him up the stairs, and as you're walking up the stairs, there's kind of a natural bouncing rhythm. He opens his eyes a little bit and he says,
0: Mr. Copper, are, are you carrying me? Well, yes, I couldn't just let you lie out on the street. You're carrying me to my bed? was carrying you to a bed. I don't know if it's yours.
1: He just kind of whispers to himself something. Go ahead and make me a perception, perception. check. Perception.
0: Let's do a good roll this time, Dice.
1: 16. 16. You hear him say, um, I can't do this anymore. And then he vomits on you. <laughs> 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 he vomits really on himself, but it's definitely there's some on you as well. And he says, "Oh, that's better." Uh, and he falls back asleep, um,
0: covered in wine vomit. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna near a little more quickly, a little uh, pick up the paste a little bit. Put him in a, a, any bed that I can find, uh, tuck him in, and then immediately go. Uh, I'm gonna take off my shirt at least, and I'm gonna go downstairs and say, "Can I? Is there any way I can wash this?"
1: You Toblin helps you wash your clothes uh, and, and pretty quickly get get dressed in, in your jammy jams. You head back upstairs, fall asleep, um, and in the middle of the night, you hear someone scream, Who is this little man in my bed? Uh, but, but you just kind of <laughs> stay asleep. You're sure, you're sure it'll work itself out. In the morning, uh, Quinn, you wake up to Quinn in your room, and he has a a plate of pancakes for you. And he says, "Uh, sorry about last night, Mr. Copper. Um, I got got awfully pissed, I tell you that. We all get a
0: little pissed. Every once in a while, you know?
1: He says, well, I mean, I was so bad, I... I I threw up on myself, and you, I'm pretty sure, so... Yes, I do. There's a little...
0: There's definitely a red stain... Um, where where he threw up on me, I said, "Yes, quite, uh, but it's okay."
1: He says, "Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we can just tell everyone that sees that shirt that that's a blood
0: stain from an epic." Oh, battle. I'm certain there will be blood covering it at some point. I, I mean, look at my shoulder, and I point to where the manacor had stabbed me with its weird spike thing.
1: He says, "Well, uh, well, let's let's go down to Harbin Westers and collect that reward."
0: Yes, I agree. We should, but. I do have a question.
1: Well, yes, Mr. Copper, anything.
0: I want to lean in and I want to be like, are you you sure you're up for the adventuring business?
1: He, his eyes kind of go wide and he says, "Why, why would you ask? Why would you ask me that?
0: Well, I couldn't help but notice. During the, when we were fighting the manticore, you said to yourself, I'm not certain if I signed up for this. And then last night, you mumbled to yourself, I can't take it anymore. So either you're harboring some great secret, if, if, in which case, uh, you know, keep it to yourself, I don't want to know it. Or you're taking the tolls of being an adventurer, which are a real thing. I'm fine, Mr. Copper. I'm going to do an insight check, because I don't believe his little ass. Okay. Uh, whoops. Rolled that wrong. Uh, Seventeen. He's not yeah, fine, I, Mr. Copper. I can look into his eyes and I can tell. Uh,
1: yeah, something, something's bothering him greatly, but also with the 17, I'm going to say, you notice that for whatever reason, he's kind of pissed that you're even bringing this up. M- maybe it's because, you know, people like to present themselves as one thing, and then when they're called out on it, it's like they feel like it's an attack on their character, even though you're trying to mm-hmm. help. You're not sure what's going on, but he seems a little pissed off, and he says, "Right, Mister Copper, let's let's go collect that reward."
0: If you ever want to talk about anything, I'm here to listen.
1: He his head just kind of
0: goes down a little bit, and he sighs. Thanks, Mister Copper. Of course, uh, I do have one question. How are we splitting this? The the it was only twenty five gold. So one of us will have to get thirteen, and the other twelve.
1: Well, I killed a manticore. <laughs> you did. <laughs> he says, "I'll take the 13. Oh,
0: that's that's only, that's only fair. Uh,
1: the two of you head down. You report back to Harvin Wester, and he says, Well, That is not not good news." No, it. Miss Gwen doesn't want to come back to Vanderland. I mean, what's so wrong with Vanderland? She it's also told place.
0: me, and I—this is coming from her, not me. Uh, mind your own fucking business.
1: Uh, he, his eyes kind of go wide, and he says, "Well, I, a lady should not um speak like that." Okay. Well, uh, also, last time you talked to him, he was hiding behind the job board. This time, he's white knuckling the handle to his, uh, to his home. Uh, to the, to the town master's hall. He, he's just, like, ready to bolt into the door any second. He's constantly looking up at the sky. He says, well, um, then, pardon my language, but shucks, I can't believe she would say (laughs) that. Um, he, he gives you 12 gold. He gives Quinn 13, and he says, oh, anyway, um, I, I, I still believe you have another job from me, uh. So um, any any time you want to go out and do it, those we should those, be heading off
0: those d- to see those dwarves. Um,
1: yes, uh, those, those miners are probably much more sensible than than a Gwen, But either way, there's a dragon coming, and and they need to be warned. Uh,
0: isn't the dragon already here?
1: Well, uh, you know what I mean. He tells you uh, that the new sheriff is going to arrive tomorrow, so you can meet her and get to know her a little bit. Are you heading off towards the Dwarven Excavation quest? Yeah.
0: I don't see why not. I also want to, uh, I also want to give Quinn back his crossbow. I say, I, you handed that, you threw this at me, and I want to uh, return it for you.
1: He says, well, oh, yeah. T- thanks, Mr. Copper, uh. Of course. He says, we should probably get you one of these.
0: Yeah, I mean, probably, but, uh, I'm fine as I am now.
1: He says, alright, well, let's get going. Um, out of character. At this point, uh, for any DMs that are listening and want to you know, get, get some insight on what happens in uh, Dragon of Icefire Peak, at this point, uh, there would be a level up to level three. I think that's a little fast. Yeah, so, that's ma- way
0: too fast. I just completed yeah. a quest. Like, exactly. I, mean, I know I did. So Yeah.
1: So for the first three quests, they they tell you complete one, you level up to two, complete another, you level up to three. And then they, tr- they kind of tell you to just skip the third I, I don't like that, so I'm going to, at the end of this third quest, the Dwarven Excavation quest, that'll be a level up, um, and that's the way I would advise any DMs running this adventure. Okay, two of you hike for quite some time. You have to uh, camp under the stars once more. Pretty uneventful uh, camping. Um, do you want to talk to to Quinn about anything?
0: I will look up at the stars, and I'll just say to him... Do you think there's anything out there? In the stars, I mean.
1: Um... You mean like... Like gods?
0: Maybe. But more just... People.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean... You know, we live in a world of magic. We, you know, there's, there's, all sorts of plane shifters. I mean, Githyanki can move through the planes, and they're not attached to this one world. And, um, yeah, I would say I'm pretty pretty sure there's people out there.
0: What do you think they're like? Well, it's it's kind of hard to be existential when you know you're not alone. You know? Yeah,
1: Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn kind of looks up at the stars with you and says, Well, I, I think that, If they are anything like us, and the general us of everybody that lives in Faerun, and all of the Forgotten Realms, then I'd say there's probably some good, and there's probably some bad.
0: But what if what they consider is to be good is what we consider to be, to be bad? I feel like law... Order, chaos, good and evil. I, I feel like that's subjective.
1: Yeah, it is until you got a guard looking right at you saying, it's time to go.
0: I mean, of course, the laws of man are written down in, in a subjective, and I I put my fingers in air quotes, uh, subjective, or er, objective way, but what are the laws of man to the gods? You know? And what are the laws of gods to the demons of the Nine Hells?
1: I really couldn't tell you, Mr. Copper. Uh, just, uh, all I know just is... Just getting
0: a bit bit uh, philosophical. No, no, mm. no need to dwell on this thought anymore.
1: Alright, Mr. Copper, well, you have good dreams, and uh, hopefully you don't dream of too many crazy things.
0: I can't remember the last time I had a dream.
1: He says, he looks at you and he says, are you sure about that, Mr. Copper? Because it seems to me that you've got a dream of stepping out your
0: old man's shadow. Yeah, I thought I was being the one deep and it turns out you are this entire time. Good night, Mr. Copper. Good night, Quinn. Sleep well, my friend. Modular is Thorn George as Bradley Copper, and Luke Job as our DM. The story you heard today, as well as 99% of the characters, were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Dragon of Ice Peak. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to music, and you can find his website link in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at ModThePod, join our private Facebook group at the Modular Podcast Fan Club, follow us on Instagram at the Modular Podcast and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at The Modular Podcast. If you like it, please feel free to share with literally anybody. Your friends, your family, your judicial district, people in charge, I don't know. New episodes come out every Tuesday, and until then, thank you for listening to Modular.